from MBD Think Radio. This is Creature Comforts. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. The idea of the wise old owl has been around for quite some time, but where does that idea come from? Because in many cultures, they're seen as a sign of bad luck. What owls do we have here in Mississippi, and what benefits do they bring to our environment? Our guest today is Steve Peterson, and he'll help us answer these and more owl-related questions throughout the hour. And as well, Dr. Major here, ready to take your pet questions. Join the conversation this morning with your phone call, 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. This is Creature Comforts from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. The idea of the wise old owl has been around for quite some time, but where does that idea come from? Because in many cultures, they're seen as a sign of bad luck. What owls do we have here in Mississippi, and what benefits do they bring our environment? Our guest this morning is Steve Peterson, and he'll help us answer these and more owl-related questions throughout the program. And Dr. Major here is always ready to take some pet questions. Join the conversation with a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Always like to remind you, the show repeats uh, each week, so if you miss it on Thursday, the repeat broadcast is Saturday mornings at 6. So good morning. Hope everyone is doing well this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Libby, let's start out. Our, uh, you know, I imagine the holiday season sort of gearing up here. We passed Halloween. We're approaching uh, Thanksgiving in a couple weeks. Uh, what are some events that are going on yeah. at the museum? Well, just a reminder, the Be the Dinosaur exhibit, which has been very popular, is leaving December the 31st. So you've got a few more weeks to see it. It would be a good thing to do maybe over Thanksgiving or Christmas holidays. And every Tuesday and Friday at 10 a.m., there are aquarium feedings. And, you know, that's true all the time, but it's particularly good to remember that during the holidays when kids are out of school. Mm-hmm. So on Tuesdays and Friday mornings at 10 a.m., the fish get fed, and it's a lot of fun to go and watch them. And Cajun Christmas is going to be December the 8th from 5 to 7 when the Cajun Santa Claus will be at the museum. Ah, That's pretty fun, too. Yeah. He's, he's back there with the alligators, which is kind <laughs> of why they do the Cajun <laughs> theme is because the uh, back in the terrarium with the dinosaur, with the dinosaur, <laughs> with the alligators. Um, some horrific news this week that I saw on the local station here. Uh, they discovered a dog fighting ring in Adams mm-hmm. County right outside of Natchez. Uh, the pictures were just awful. They were saying that some dogs had limbs bitten off, and it was just just horrific. 
Uh, so many shelters in the area are helping out with uh, the rehabilitation of dogs, uh, providing homes and food. Uh, so uh, in your area, if, uh, if your uh, shelter is helping out, uh, you might consider uh, giving them some support in this most trying time, trying to help out those poor dogs that were treated in, in such a, a brutal way. Also, uh, the holidays, the shelters get a little bit busy. So, again, if you have some time to volunteer or make a donation, I'm sure the folks that work at those shelters would appreciate it. Um, Dr. Major, uh, getting cold finally. Uh, so again, again, we always think about uh, things to keep in mind uh, to keep our pets uh, warm and safe as, as the weather turns a little bit chillier. Right. I guess it remains to be seen how cold it's going to get. Uh, this is very refreshing right now, just some cool weather. However, <clears throat> always remember the same thing is true in the summer, shelter from the sun in the summer, shelter from the wind and rain, uh, cold weather. Uh, adequate bedding, and uh, always maintain a good source of water uh, as well as food. But water is very important both in the summertime and in wintertime, especially if we have freezing temperatures. Uh, Back in the day, uh, I can remember having to break ice on the stock ponds with an axe or a Mm -hmm. sledgehammer so cattle could drink. Water troughs would be frozen over two or three inches deep. So we haven't had that type of winter in, in a long time, but it does make a difference if uh, obviously the animals cannot get to their water. Uh, one thing about the dog fighting thing, I don't want to get too far into that, but apparently there are some other areas. Uh, I think Madison County also uh, took in uh, some some animals that had either been supposedly fighting or potential for that. And... Uh, it's it's one of those things that's as you say it's horrific and it's against the law definitely mm-hmm. and needs to have stronger laws concerning that we are going to be visiting today with our guest steve peterson uh, from the mississippi ornithological society and i hope i can say that properly throughout the whole hour uh we're going to be talking primarily about owls uh, steve good to have you back on the program i'm glad to be back uh remind us a little bit about your background well uh I was uh, I graduated from Millsaps way way back in uh, a long time ago, and <laughs> I taught for a long time uh, middle school science with Jackson Public Schools at Hardy Middle School, uh, and uh, retired and just always always pretty much been interested in in uh, critters, especially owls. And, mm-hmm which I, I, st- I really got into about the time I started teaching and about the time I graduated. All right. Uh, our producer, Java Chapman, did some detective work and came up with <clears throat> the Mississippi Ornitho- Ornithological Society newsletter from October 1978. <laughs> One of the items says, Steve Peterson has been conversing with the barred owls again. On the weekend of August 1st, he started hooting along the Pascagoula River. Do you remember conversing with the owls? Uh, yes, I think we uh, we got them started. Uh, that particular play, uh, the pl- that place was full of them, and uh, I, even more than than uh, across the street over here in in uh, Lafleur's Bluff Park. Uh, and I think, if I remember correctly, it was the first time I'd been in that area, and so I was a new owl. Those, as far as those other owls were concerned, mm-hmm. and that was about the time that they had the young owls are are pretty much grown. Their plumage looks adult, and mom and daddy kick them out because to them, they no longer look like the baby. They look like an intruding adult. Hmm. 
and so they're off on their on their own. But yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, you have to be careful hooting at owls that you don't hoot too much. You've always got to let them win rather than you you, you got to let them literally have the last hoot. <laughs> <laughs> and now he does the same thing behind the Natural Science Museum over in LaFleur's Bluff yeah. State Park pretty often. <laughs> what a few months ago. I get, well, I guess it was about yeah. this time last year, actually. Yeah. I, we were all down there, and he, he got an owl that came right up and looked at all of us, <laughs> looking for the owl, of course, and there we stood. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I pretty much these days, as soon as I hear one, I shut up and let him do all, him or her, because they're both male and female will hoot at, uh, hoot at you, and they will both pretty much defend their territory. And if you're lucky enough to be on the boundary between two territories you may have four owls car- carrying on <laughs> and uh it's it's still is i still get a big kick out of it even after all these years well that's interesting would other birds uh, when you're doing bird calls react that way that to me that's interesting that uh, the owls yes would do that. yes bird calls uh will will react that way they you play generally if you, if you if it's a resident bird it will react and come and look for the intruder which of course raises some ethical questions how much you know again how long do you do you play back for them? uh and uh you don't want to wear them out let them use up too much energy in, in uh in uh trying to chase off a non-existent intruder but mm-hmm. what they're doing is they're reacting to a territorial intruder, and they're defending their territory uh, so that they've got plenty to eat and places to raise the young. But it's a good, it's a good way of, of sense, taking a census, uh, uh, especially of owls. Playback or, or vocalizations is, is, uh, with hooting. Um, so is, uh, do they hoot for different reasons? Uh, what are some of the different reasons why they would hoot? They, they will, uh, well, if, if you hear an owl if you hear it like a barred owl, the one that I'm most familiar with, or great horned owls, you can learn whether the owl is a male or female. Both of them, the male has a lower-pitched uh, hoot than the female due to the, the syrinx, the bird, the avian equivalent of our larynx being a little bit wider in uh, male than it is with female, and it produces a lower tone. And so that let's... Let, let's uh, He's basically saying, I'm a barred owl, I'm a male barred owl or a female barred owl, and I'm this particular owl. And he's, the owl may be establishing territory or defending territory, and then it may be looking for a mate. And uh, so that's one reason why being a nocturnal bird, having the difference in the the pitch Mm -hmm. between the sexes, saves a whole lot of time, uh, and they can get together. They can either get together, male and female get together, or male chases off another male that doesn't belong on the territory as far as he's concerned. And uh, another interesting thing that Steve and I were talking about this morning, you know, some birds will mate for that season, and then that's it. They've raised their baby, and that's mm-hmm. it. But owls are one of the ones that maintain the mate in most most of our owls here, there are a few that, that, that come and go, but yes. most of them live here year-round, and so they stay together in that same territory all year-round. So, yeah, and you'll generally, like, say, dusk, you'll hear a 
maybe a male owl call, and then the female will call back to him, and they'll engage in what's known as a duet calling back and forth. And it sort of reestablishes or reaffirms the pair bond, and, and uh, they, they, they stay in the same territory all year round, and they pretty much will mate for life. So I'm curious with the with the whole idea of the territory. I guess one of them is hooting, saying, "Hey, this is my space," and then the intruder would hoot back, saying, "Forget you, I want to come into that's, your area." <laughs> yes, that's that's essentially that's what's happening. And uh, for instance, uh, the, this time of year, from about August on up until about now, the the uh, the young of the year. Will will be looking for a to establish a territory, and they're at a slight disadvantage. I think I can't prove this, and I'm not exactly sure if it's been uh, remarked on in the literature or not. But the what, what, uh, way back in the in the past, even before that quote that you you read of the Ornithological Society, uh, listening to a young captive owl. His first hoot was a single hoot, single like a hoo And as opposed to the full-on who cooks for you, who cooks for you all that a barred owl will do. And he hooted instinctively in July. And uh, it wasn't until December that he got his full eight-note hooting. Uh, and I kind of think that's a... The, the young don't really become sexually mature until their first winter. And uh, so they, they, they can't really defend themselves. Mm-hmm. So they've got to be able to hunt and they've got to be able to defend themselves before they can really, and reproduce before they can really establish a territory. So the, the, the uh, adults are hooting and kicking out the young. And then in January, they'll start getting noisy again when they begin to mate. And so, so uh, there's certain year periods of the year they will be more noisy, but they'll be defending territory and or mating. All right, we need to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll continue our discussion. Our guest today, Steve Peterson, head of the Mississippi Ornithological Society. We are talking about owls today, and Dr. Major's here ready to take some pet questions. Always like to hear wildlife questions and observations as well. The phone number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven. We'll be back with more Creature Comforts after this. you're a sustaining member of mpb think radio we appreciate your support of our programs to become a sustainer go to mpbonline.org welcome back to creature comforts on mpb think radio kevin farrell here with dr troy major veterinarian at the animal medical center in jackson and libby hartfield retired director from the mississippi museum of natural science we're visiting today with Steve Peterson, who is with the Jackson, the Mississippi Ornoloth, Ornoloth, uh, uh, mm, Ornoloth, uh, 
he he knows a lot about birds. Thank you. I said it right a couple of times, yeah. and now it's just not uh, uh, tripping over my lips there. Uh, but we're talking today about owls. So if you have a question about an owl, or if you have a pet question, or if you just want to share a wildlife question or, or observation, give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We've got a caller on the line, so let's start things off by going to Princess in Madison. Good morning. Go ahead, please. Hi. Hi. Good morning. Can you, can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, great. Uh, it's not really an owl question, although I'm loving the owls in my backwoods. Um, I also have a lot of deer, and I'm wondering if birds eat ticks. Well, some species of birds eat ticks. I'm not, I don't know of any that specialize it, uh, on ticks in, in Mississippi, but uh, if you're watching a, a wildlife film set in Africa, you see sometimes a lot of the big game and there are birds sitting on them, uh, yeah. smallish birds. Those are definitely going after things like ticks. Uh, there's one species of bird called an oxpecker that uh, that does. I don't think we have any that specialize in it in North America, though. But we do okay. believe that insect-eating birds do eat ticks. Yeah. Yes, um, is there, uh, I'm, I'm planting, uh, some in my backwoods after I've taken down some, uh, some trees that were falling over. Um, and, uh, I'm wondering if there's, um, trees or bushes or anything that would, uh, bring more birds in. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of things, mulberries, anything that produces berries that, that mm-hmm. they can eat, uh, French mulberry, that uh, American Beautyberry is called French mulberries by some people, and that's a really good one to plant. And it's an edge-of-the-woods kind of understory plant that can live in most parts of Mississippi. And I think mulberries can live pretty much anywhere. Uh, of course, any kind of a blueberry, anything that you like to eat, they usually mm-hmm. like too. A fig tree, uh, mm-hmm. birds like that real well. Okay. Figs and American mulberry or uh, uh, American beauty berry. Okay. And yeah, mulberries just, uh, you, you kind of, when you go to a nursery, you want to be sure that the plant actually does make berries or talk to whoever is, is, is selling them because some, some of the plants won't, won't be a big berry producer. Oh, if, you, okay. if you find a place that has a native plant sale, you've mm-hmm. got a better yeah. chance of getting something that'll make those berries that they like. Oh, super. Yeah. And, okay. uh, Princess, uh, if you need mm-hmm. some more advice, you can always listen to the Gestalt Gardener mm-hmm. at uh, 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, uh, Friday mornings at 9. Uh, Felder Rushing, a great resource for anything uh, to do with uh, growing things in your yard. And but, actually, I think Felder's got a list uh, that I've Googled online before and found a, a list of. of um, of native, uh, yeah, yeah, native plants that attract birds. You could probably Google that and get it. All right. So thanks for your call. Uh, this is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Let's stay on the phone lines for a few minutes. Next, we've got Donna, who's called in from Rose Hill. Good morning, Donna. Oh, good morning. I'm enjoying your segment on owls. And my question was this: I like to sit on my porch sometimes in the evening, and I um, we are surrounded by pine trees, pretty much big, tall pine trees in a wooded area in Jasper County. So um, we hear, I hear the uh, owls, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad to get the information about the different calls. But um, last year, uh, we were, my husband and I were sitting out on the porch, and um, 
We listened to two aisles go back and forth between each other, and it, they were both just making this terrible noise. <laughs> and one would go and make this horrible noise, and then the other one, and they were in very close proximity to each other. So what has that been? Two owls, two male owls, maybe trying to establish or, or defend territory. Well, if they both have the same pitch uh, to their voices, it probably could be. If you can distinguish one having a higher pitch than the other, then it would be a female and the male. They like to hoot at each other, say in the in the early morning, and and then at the dusk to find out where each other each. Uh, the other one is, and to sort of reestablish that pair bond. And so that's why a lot of times what you're hearing, it may sound like a a half a dozen jaguars fighting, and it may be just a a pair of of barred owls hooting at each other and and saying, you know, here I am, I'm okay, and that sort of stuff. On the other hand, you can uh, get a territorial dispute sometimes going on. And if you have, if you're lucky enough to have a, a more than one territory of owls, and, uh, and you're say if you're close to the boundary, then they will be, you know, a one pair of them will holler at each other, and then another pair will holler at each other. And sometimes, especially during uh, mating season, uh, which would be like beginning around January and going on into the spring, they they can get into some real. Uh, set twos at each other. All right, Donna, thanks for your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're visiting today with our guest, Steve Peterson, learning more about owls. Dr. Major's here ready for some pet questions as well. The number to call if you'd like to join in, it's one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one 672 7464 You can always email the show. It's animals at mpbonline.org. Next up, we go to Columbus. Janice has called in today. Good morning, Janice. Good morning to you. Um, I just wanted to mention uh, for the woman who called in about some shrubs to plant to attract birds, we had some uh, mahonias growing in our yard, and they reproduce very quickly. Um, Little tiny plants will pop up uh, almost every spring, and they have a grape-like berry cluster that attracts a variety of birds. Uh, the most common one that we saw was the tufted titmouse, which is, they're so fun to watch. But I just wanted to mention that to her so that um, that might be something she might think of when she's looking for uh, shrubs and uh, small trees to plant in her backyard. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and that's a sh- that w- that's one that likes shade, too, doesn't it? So that would be it good. It does. Yeah. All right. Thanks for the tip, Janice. Glad you called in. Uh, We've got uh, now uh, Ron from Tupelo. Ron, I think you want to talk about uh, trees that will attract birds as well. Go ahead. Okay. Um, By the way, I rescued an owl, a small barn owl, several years ago. We were able to get it nursed back to health and released. But anyway, um, I'm a master gardener, and I just went for the lady to know what plants would attract birds. Check with your local extension service office. Okay. And they have all kind of publications and pamphlets and all that good stuff. Or you can go online to MSU Cares, mm-hmm. Mississippi State University Cares, and a lot of the information down local. All right. Thanks. Good uh, suggestion, Ron. Thank you for mentioning that. That's a, a good suggestion to uh, any kind of uh, uh, 
information that you need for plants in your yard. Uh, MSU Cares, as he mentioned, or your local extension agent is a great source of information. We'll press on with the phones. Next, we've got Bill from Greenwood. Good morning, Bill. Uh, hi, how y'all doing? I got three out calls I'm going to give you. Uh, the animals is in the same one, but one of them goes. <laughs> then the other one goes. <laughs> then the other one I heard the other night was just with. <laughs> and then one time I know I think it was a screech owl. I heard like a woman screaming. So I was wondering what those were that I gave you. Well, uh, it do, I, the, I do think you might have a, it's possible you might have a screech owl, which is, a, which is one of the smaller of the owls, but it, it sort of kind of whistles sort of a whinny sound, that, and it always sounds far away. But as far as the, what a lot of people think of as screech or a woman screaming, that is probably a barred owl, and it seems to be, a, a sort of a scream that I think some people uh, have caught, some of the uh, researchers have called kind of like a monkey call, kind of a sort of a, hot, a scream that literally makes the uh, hair rise on the back of your neck. And that's usually a female barred owl, and apparently she wants the male to come right away. She might be hungry or something oh, like that. You know what? I saw one. At one time at night, a little teeny little owl, and it was just like a little helicopter. He was sitting up in the branch, and he came down just like a helicopter, went up just like a helicopter, and then he disappeared. Was that a little barn owl? That would be a little screech owl, more than likely. Was oh. this during the Was this during the warm months? Yes, it was in the summer. Yeah, that would be that would be a screech owl. They. Yes. Uh, yeah, uh, if you got I've, I've got one right here. Okay. Let's play this yeah, we'll play. Out. Listen to this and see if. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that before. That's okay, that's owl. that's your screech owl, and and it, it's. It, I always think it seems it sounds even though they're close by. I've had them in the backyard. And they always seem to sound far away to me, even if I'm like six feet away from them. Yeah. But I, uh, that's... I was, I was wondering, the birds in Europe, the European owl, do they sound like ours? Uh, well, they do if you're watching TV. There's a, <laughs> there's a European uh, relative of the barred owl, the one that goes... And it's called a tawny owl, and you'll hear it on soundtracks. And the the soundtrack people don't particularly worry about whether it's geographically accurate, but they they love the tawny owl uh, that they that you hear in British myst- murder mysteries. <laughs> and they've just put it on. I think I heard it once on uh, well a lot of different uh, Boardwalk Empire, you know, about nineteen twenties uh, prohibition. And they had one calling in the in the forests of New Jersey. I remember just ruined an episode for me. <laughs> All right, Bill. Uh, thanks for your call. We need to take uh, a quick break. When we get back, we've got a bunch of owl questions on the line, but we have some open phone lines as well. So if you'd like to join in the conversation, our number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll be back with more after this.
home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. We're visiting today with Steve Peterson of the Mississippi Ornithological Society. We're talking about owls this morning, and we've got some full phone lines uh, ready to go. So let's begin again in um, Calhoun County. Dudley has called in today. Good morning, Dudley. Good morning. I think you probably just answered my questions about the screech owl. Uh, This is a very unusual owl that I hear a great deal of listening off my deck. Uh, are you familiar with the the uh, the screech owl as far as uh, superstition is concerned? Well, I think there's superstition uh, among all owl species as far as far as they're concerned, because they're nocturnal birds and they they were uh, they're generally not that well known. You've got to go out at night, you know, and in. And a lot of ancient times, going out at night was uh, not something that people, you know, did that much of because it was a lot more dangerous than it is nowadays. And, of course, they could be considered ghost-like, what with their silent flight and their ability to to uh, move around in low lights. And then, of course, some of the, some of the uh, noises that they make. Uh, you know, if you think about it, any... Any animal that's going around at night is liable to make a lot of noise because that's a good way of communication. Did you have a, a story to share, Dudley, about one of the superstitions? Yes, yes, I did. Uh, I had family members that uh, if a screech owl was in a in the tree close to the house, uh, very close, that was usually a sign that someone was going to die, mm. and they were. They would do things like uh, not in the sh- in the sheet to get the <laughs> the owl to go away and all kinds of things. And screech owls were kind of scary to me up until you know I was grown. But <clears throat> I I just wondered if other people had heard these superstitions. I really do enjoy your show very much. All right, Thank you. thanks for calling in today, Dudley. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're talking owls today with our guest Steve Peterson. Uh, next, we've got uh, Chief Rainwater called in from Woodville. Good morning, Chief. Go ahead. Good morning. How y'all doing? Good. Very interesting show y'all have. Thank you. <laughs> and I appreciate the work that y'all doing. And yes, uh, I, I followed the Native American medicine ways. My grandfather was a chief, uh, a shaman, a medicine man uh, from Franklin County. And they left in the early 1900s and went into Louisiana. And so... Uh, I pretty well much lived over here in Wilkes County for a long time. And so I follow the old ways. And, and yes, those uh, uh, tales that the old people used to tell about the owl as a messenger of death. And so Native Americans have used the spirituality of the owl. There was a book, uh, The People of the Owl, 
at Poverty Point. So they had a lot of owl effigies. And I'm just interested in what you might have to share with us on a Choctaw spirituality of the owl. Because I was told that the Choctaw wore an owl feather, and they would call the Nighthawk. All right, and I'm going to listen to what your comments are. Well, that. I'm afraid I can't shed much light on you know personal knowledge of of what the Choctaws w- would uh, would have known or believed about owls. Uh, I do know that nighthawks are a type of nighttime bird that that is it, they're not owls; they're uh, insect feeding uh, nocturnal birds like whippoorwills and chuckwills widows. Uh, but uh so i can't really comment authoritatively i i i can perhaps go off on a slight tangent if uh at the beginning of the show they mentioned the wise old owl and this is probably because it was associated with the greek goddess athena the goddess of wisdom and she always had an owl uh a figure of an owl beside her and in fact right. And in fact, the uh, the little owl of Europe, was, the genus name was Athene, and that's the closest relative we have in North America to it is the burrowing owl, in uh, mostly in the uh, Great Plains region. Although we have records of burrowing owls in Mississippi, including one in 1940 in Brandon, and I've seen one on the Gulf Coast. That's at risk. Uh, and of course, I would imagine that it, as far as Native American uh, owl mythology, a burrowing owl would figure pr- uh, pretty prominently among the Plains tribes. Uh, that and perhaps right. the great horned owl, right, as yeah. a as a symbol of power. Uh, but you know, that's something that I, I don't know that much about. But I think one theory that seems to be simply because they're nocturnal birds is is one of would be a mystery and and some of the other uh, common themes that we think about death and uh, right. mystery and so, uh, stuff like that. Yeah, the the uh, the different tribes have different beliefs, and I've studied shamanism around the world and different cultures have their different beliefs. Uh, toward different owls also. And it's very interesting. Even the snow owl is very powerful Mm -hmm. in the uh, spirituality, you know. I'm going to get off here, and I'm going to listen to you some more here. And I appreciate y'all's work. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for your call. And just a quick search of Wikipedia, sometimes reliable, sometimes Mm -hmm. not. But it also does mention uh, that uh, the Choctaws had that same idea of an owl uh, for for, um, anticipating someone dying and a different type of owl. Uh, would depend on wh- who who was who was going to be dying. So a little creepy there, but uh, again, as um, Steve said, you can understand wh- why those uh, might have uh, developed. Uh, let's go back uh, to the phone lines. Next, we're off to Mobile. Uh, Mikey is on the line. Good morning, Mikey. Hey, good morning. Am I am I coming through okay? Yeah, we can hear you fine. Um, good. Uh, I, my question is brief. Um, there was a, a trio, three chicks. And um, the owls had been established here. This is a very suburban neighborhood, quarter-acre quarter lots, you know, and less. Um, and uh, uh, it had to be taken down because the tree started coming down on the house of the neighbor. I watched as it happened and was one of the people who called. And um, fortunately, the, um, uh, the fire police people sent out a guy who also, a uh, police officer, but he had worked previously with... Um, 
animal control. So he looked at it, and he was the one who pointed out to me that there was a healthy chick sticking its head up out of the crotch of the tree. Now, they took down the tree um, halfway. This is a very old water oak, which water oaks don't live that long, as I understand it. Um, but um, And they waited and took down the rest of the tree later. So my question is, will the owls reestablish themselves in the same neighborhood where there are um, uh, similar trees? More than likely. I don't know exactly which species it was, but yes, they, they do. Uh, uh, in the in the house that I live in now, I've had uh, four different species of owls show up, three of which are uh, nest, nesting species that would uh, like great horned owl and barred owl and screech owl. So yes, they'll 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 stick around if they've got a a, a place to nest that that's suitable enough. They'll they'll stay they'll stay around uh, w- without much of a problem. All right, Mikey, always good to hear from you. Uh, before we go to our next call, I think, uh, uh, Libby, you've got another owl call pulled up there. Yeah, let's do it. This is a barn owl. <laughs> See, that one gets a little Halloweenish, yeah. All right. So are barn owls found near barns? Uh, they can be, but the first nest I ever saw was a was a an oak tree, kind of like the one the previous caller just described, right next to the student union at Mississippi State University. Oh, wow. hmm. And we had one on the golf course next to the Jackson Zoo where uh, a tree was cut down, and there were five baby barn owls in it. So they'll they'll... Any anywhere they've got a good uh, opportunity for nesting, they'll they'll nest there. I love that. Uh, you know, they we're all supposed to be so quiet at a golf course. So the fact that there were some owls nearby <laughs> that that is kind of funny. Uh, we've got another caller. It's Vanessa from Bahelia who has a question for us. Go ahead, please. Hi. Yeah, I've got a couple of questions actually. Um, I've been hearing some owls in the backyard, and then I won't hear them for a while. So I was wondering, how big is their territory, and also, what's their average lifespan? Okay, I would say, if we take barred owls for an example, I would in uh, Lafleur's Bluff Park, we've got two pairs, and I think that maybe, maybe let's just say a square mile per owl pair on a on a bird that size. Great horned owls, which are bigger might be have a have a greater area uh, as for the not hearing them uh in my experience barred owls are they get kind of noisy around say de- late december january and they go until about maybe uh march or april they're getting they're getting uh ready to mate and once they have eggs in the nest or young hatched they don't need to holler at each other that much anymore they're the the female is staying around the nest and the male is staying around the nest and and bringing bringing food then in say august when the when the babies have grown into adult plumage and they look like adults to they look like adults to the uh 
to the territory uh, uh, birds, they get kicked out of the territory just purely by instinct, and so the they get the owls get noisier then. So August, September, thereabouts, you're gonna you're likely to hear them, uh, or they're likely to respond more quickly to an owl call. So I think that's why you probably might not hear them so much. So uh, see if they don't pick up in in January, and if they do, then you probably got a pair that are are carrying on and and uh, and getting ready to raise to raise young. All right, Vanessa, thanks for the call. And the lifespan of an owl? Uh, I would the record I think from Guinness was a European eagle owl, which is like our our great horned owl, and I think it lived sixty eight years. I know of one captive bar, uh, barred owl that was uh, that actually lived out its life not far from where we are right now and it lived to be 23 but the average on the average i'd say if it's successful six to eight years all right let's take one final break when we get back we'll wrap things up on creature comforts right here on mpb think radio Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and a state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. We're visiting today with Steve Peterson from the Mississippi Ornithological Society talking about owls. Uh, one question we got, uh, Steve, concerns uh, the hunting, owls hunting, and the largest weight that they can carry. Any thoughts there? Uh, well, if you're, if, you're, you've got, if you're a flying animal, you can only carry so much weight. Uh, to answer it in practical terms, uh, the largest owl that we have in, in Mississippi, especially regularly, is a great horned owl. And if you see a great horned owl and it's got a rabbit, that's about it as far as the, uh, the, the size is going to be. Now, it might attack something. And it might cause damage. I mean, if if you're a researcher and say checking on the nest, you might get whacked by the owl, mm. and 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 as big of a claws as it's got, so it might be able to possibly kill something bigger, but not necessarily carry it off. And a, a great horned owl, the the maximum weight of a great horned owl is four pounds. So if he can only carry yeah. about a fourth of Exactly. His weight, and he's carrying about a pound animal, so it's, exactly. it's pretty small. And right. and the last time I saw a great horned owl with a, a with a rabbit, I, it was half of a rabbit. Uh, uh, on a on a side note, uh, great horned owls also prey on skunks, and 
when I've done work at the museum with specimens and a great horned owl specimen was brought in, I always sniffed it to see if I could smell skunks hmm. on it. And that's, uh, in fact, that's I think a fair number of owl people will do that when they when they get a hold of a great horned owl. But that's about as big as you're going to get. All righty, back to the phone lines we go. We've got Ronnie calling in from Amit County. Good morning, Ronnie. Go ahead. I appreciate your show. I've got a uh, question about a whippoorwill and then about an owl. I think you just answered my owl question. But uh, down here in the Mid-County, we have two birds that we call a whippoorwill, and and one of them makes a sound like... We call that a whippoorwill. Mm -hmm. The other one that I've always heard called a whippoorwill, I can't imitate as well, but it does something like... And my father would always describe it by saying, chip whittle on the white oak, Mm -hmm. chip whittle on the white oak. Is that second bird a whippoorwill? The second bird sounds, the way you've described it, sounds like the resident Chuckwill's widow. And generally when you hear them, you don't get, you're not close enough to hear that chuck. So you hear sort of a kind of a, kind of a Chuckwill, Chuckwill. Whereas the whippoorwill, you'll hear and... They, they, there's some of them that nest, that breed up in northern, north Mississippi, but at least where I am in Jackson, I hear them only during migration, but they do call and they do do a clear whippoorwill, whippoorwill. Uh, uh-huh. And they'll do it all night long, too. I think the record for a whippoorwill was, uh, a thousand and thirty two calls consecutively. <laughs> and for a chuck, it was like eight hundred and thirty some calls without stopping. <laughs> I know when we have one uh, that starts up in the country where we live, I'll I'll open my window at night and enjoy them until I go to sleep to it. They, my father was raised in Tishomingo County, and that's where they heard that second bird as much, but mm-hmm. we hear it occasionally. But have you ever heard his, his song described as Chip Whittle on the White Oak? Uh, well, that's uh, not real. I personally haven't, but it does. that really sounds, that's a good description of the way a chuck will call. Because you you really don't hear the chuck, you do hear the will widow, but uh-huh. uh, a lot. But they they are fascinating birds. And they are very beautiful birds. Uh, you can't you generally don't see them. I, I spent one night right here at the uh, at at MPB one night many years ago, uh, following one around the parking lot and the trees that are around here. Chuck Will's widow. And I learned an awful lot that night that I had never seen before. But they they are they are fascinating birds. And how do you how do you spell that name of that bird? Chuck Will's widow, just the way it sounds. Chuck Will's widow. Yes. Okay. One one more quick question about an owl. I think I think your last caller I think your answer to his question answered mine. But I'm a 60 year old turkey hunter, so I've I've done my, my fair share of hooting in my life, mm-hmm. but I don't enjoy killing them anymore. But so I've heard a lot of owls and still enjoy owling occasionally. And and but we've had an owl at our home here the last six months. It seems to hunt day and night, and it would be the, uh, the the barn owl, I think. And it's pretty interesting having him around, although he's got a really really long shrill. It's really eerie. But the, the reason I'm calling, my wife wanted me to call because we've got a 15-pound cat and about a 15-pound rat terrier. 
that are in and out. And I, to- I told her all along, I felt sure they were too heavy for the owl to keep, to, to ta- take off. But apparently, uh, from your last caller, if, uh, you know, he could hurt them if he wanted to. He always seems to, to come wherever they are when they're outside and swoops down at them occasionally. Could, and, uh, uh, there's, if, uh, if, if you get swooped at by an owl, there might be, especially during the, uh, spring months, there might be young nearby. The only time I've ever been swooped at by an owl, uh, was, uh, a, a screech owl. Uh, and it was actually over at the, at, uh, the museum on the nature trail and, and her young were sticking their heads out of the nest. It was the day before they fledged and she swooped at me and chattered. Uh, with 15 pound, uh, dogs, I seriously doubt if the, if the owl, the owl have to be pretty stupid to ta- even take them on. It might be dreaming though. It might yeah. be, it might be following them and dreaming, but I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it can't carry them away. All right. Ronnie, uh, thanks for your call. Let's see if we can get one more call in before the end of the show. It's a Baron in Goodman. Go ahead. You're on the air, please. Good morning, good morning. I got a question for Steve real quick. Uh, I'm really worried. We have a uh, temper cut coming in a bottomland, and it's full of, you know, four or five different species from what we can tell of owl. And we we just want to know, after this cut, is it possible that this thing, they they will restore themselves back to that area, or are they going to go elsewhere and we're just going to have to deal with it for 15, 20 years? I'll let you go. Uh, I'm kind of pessimistic. If it's a clear cut and the bottom land is all torn up, uh, the the bigger owls need a bigger nest. Uh, say a barred owl would need a uh, a tree that a hollowed out tree that would have a diameter at breast height of about two feet, uh, and uh, then it's got to have all the other parts of its territory. It's it's uh, you know everything that. You know, if there's nothing there for it to eat, you know, if that if the if the cutting uh, destroys the, most of the habitat, st- such like that, then it's it's going to have to go somewhere else. That's that's afraid. That's my uh, pessimistic assessment on that. All right, uh, Baron, uh, we've got some calls we can't get to. If you could, you could email the show animals at mpbonline.org, or uh, we've, this has been so fun that we'll probably have Steve on uh, in the near future again. One thing, Steve, if you could maybe just comment on quickly, Sue from Beaumont was asking about uh, natural enemies for the owls. So who, who are their enemies? Other owls. Uh, <laughs> there is a famous uh, story of a, of a uh, naturalist who, back in the days of shotgun ornithology, collected a uh, barred owl, and he opened and checked to check the stomach contents, and there was a young, uh, a long-eared owl in it, and he checked the stomach, con- which had been recently swallowed, so he checked the stomach contents of that, and there was a screech owl in it. <laughs> but uh, I would assume that it, barred owls would more than would have problems with great horned owls. They could also have problems with uh, with hawks. Uh, and I guess raccoons getting into the nest would, would cause problems with with pretty the, much any cavity nest. The main predation is going to be on the eggs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, that's a great, great hour. Thanks for everyone who called in. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Think Radio, funded provided in part by Wildlife Mississippi, a statewide organization celebrating 20 years of conserving Mississippi's lands, waters, and wildlife, and from contributions from listeners like you. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener today was Liz Gill. So for Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, and our guest Steve Peterson, 
I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned up next to 10. It's MPB's Season Pass. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts, heard only on MPB Think Radio.